Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. How you doing? DJ here and uh, so excited that we are almost at the end of Ezekiel. That's right. Episode 5 and this is our second last episode on the book of Ezekiel. Uh, we're, we're getting stuck into chapter 37 all the way to the end of Ezekiel in this episode. Uh, and this is where we, we start tying the threads between what is Ezekiel prophesying about and the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible and this book. What are the connections and how does that affect our view of the end times and what should be our view of the end times? I know, I know, big questions, big questions in this one. Matt and I sat down and got into it. So after this break, we're going to pick up right into that conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Thrive Deeper. Why, you know, the, the sort of the dynamics of the podcast, like what we do, and I was explaining it like, like, imagine, imagine that there's, uh, not imagine. I was like saying, what was I saying? Like, pretty much, you've got two Bible nerds, you know, who who are, you know, but one of them's a professional paid Bible nerd, and one of them's an amateur. Bible nerd. That's me. I'm the amateur. You're the professional Bible nerd. Uh, you know, you get to do this as a job. I'm just uh, like any any uh, you know pursuit or passion. I'm the amateur who gets to do it in in, in his spare time. Uh, I don't know if that's a good enough uh, you know uh, illustration yeah. to what we are. Uh, maybe a professional, but one never feels like an expert in these. No, things. no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. That's a great thing about. There's a great thing about the Bible. It's inexhaustible yeah. of uh, of how far you can go into it. Um, all right, we, now we are, this is it, we are into the final episode about the book of Ezekiel mm-hmm. as we're going through it in Thrive. Uh, we have uh, followed the amazing dramatic uh, life of Ezekiel the prophet in, in Babylon during the exile, the, the fall of Jerusalem, and as we were saying in the, in the last episode, everything changes around the, uh, chapter 33 mm-hmm. where all the prophecies that, that, um, that Ezekiel have given since he was, since the age of 30 that he's been doing in Babylon about what he's been seeing and what God has been telling him has now been fulfilled. Mm. You know, we see that, that, you know, and the people know mm. that he's been going and he turns a corner and starts giving prophecies about the future, you know, the yeah. future that happens not just in his lifetime. Yeah. Happened in Christ's lifetime, yeah. happens in our lifetime, and then even goes and into the future, beyond, yeah. Yeah, even to the beyond. So we finished off with uh, Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, yeah. seeing the beautiful illustration that that is. But it also goes in that in that same chapter there in uh, 37, it goes beyond just the, the Valley of Dry Bones. He then gets, uh, this is where it gets a little bit beyond, again, my amateur rank level mm. of, of understanding talking about the 12 tribes of Israel coming together again. Which is an important question because in in the first part of chapter 37, he's had this vision that is a vision of basically the resurrection of the covenant people. Yeah. So the natural question is, uh, oh, so the restoration of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. 
that that that's the natural progression. And the answer is, well, yes, uh, yes. What um, does that mean? Uh, well, <laughs> what does that mean? What you like, don't know? I, yeah. no, I say you. No, I no idea. Okay. I mean, there's so many different theories about yeah. what he could be talking. So about let's let, let me read uh, what what it says uh, from verse 22. I think. Uh, it says, uh, I will make them one nation. So he's saying, um, you know, I'm going to re... And he gets a stick, gets him to get a stick and, and put the two parts of the stick together. Yeah. And God is saying, I'm going to... Um, uh, in verse 21, it says, uh, I will take the Israelites out of the nations wherever they've, got, wherever they've gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back to their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them. So, again, you get this return to the messianic uh, prophecies, the one king. And they will never again be two nations or divided into two kingdoms, as we know they were with Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Mm -hmm. As we know, Israel, the the ten tribes of Israel, I think this is important background uh, if people haven't caught up with this. Um, In uh, 722, the uh, the Assyrians came and destroyed the northern kingdom yeah. and they were scattered off into exile. And so even to take it back before that, the, the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, <clears throat> God's chosen people, had split. That's right. After, yeah. after the death of Solomon. Yeah, that's and, right. And so there was the, 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 the followers of Solomon, the Davidic, you know, peoples of the south, yeah. otherwise known as Jerusalem yeah. and Judah. Yeah. And then the people of the north, the vast majority, the ten tribes right. of the north, following other kings, uh, other you know Jewish kings. That was the tri- they called the, yeah. basically the loose term for that is the ten tribes of Israel. That's right. So they're refu- referred to as Israel, yeah. or often Ephraim, yeah. or sometimes Joseph uh, yeah. as well, because the two major tribes were two sons of Joseph. Mm. Um, and then you've got Judah. Which absorbed, which had, had a Benjamin absorbed into it. So these two tribes that became Judah, they of course become known as the Jews. That's where yeah. we get that word yeah. uh, from. So um, this is the issue here. What about those yeah. uh, tribes Gloss. that were scattered in 722 yeah. under the Assyrians? And um, he is saying here, verse 22, I'll make them one nation in the land of the mountain of Israel. There'll be one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or any. Uh, uh, of their offences, for I will save them from their sinful back, backsli- backsliding. I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. Then he says, my servant David will be king over them and they will all have one shepherd. So it comes back to this uh, idea uh, down a bit further. Uh, they will live in the land, um, the land where your ancestors live. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever, interestingly. Uh, uh, because the covenant that he made with them initially was an everlasting covenant. It's like, oh, for a while, uh, no, it's, it's actually, um, uh, it's an everlasting covenant. Actually, ultimately, it's bigger than just the land because, of course, Jesus talks about inheriting the earth. You mm, know? Mm. So, uh, so it's, it's this idea continues, but is even uh, expanded. Um, I will make a covenant of, so he says here, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. Um, so the question is, what 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 is this talking to? In what sense are the... Because the difficulty here is that um, in an important sense, they disappeared uh, as a distinct people group. 
and and if I got it right, Matt, that you know, not only did they disappear, but they were assimilated into yeah, the, for the most part, they were you know uh, into into other into other cultures, and and this is where we get when we fast forward, you know, uh, you know, about six hundred years from the time of Ezekiel, when we have the time of Christ, yeah, we get the Samaritans. Is that part of the like the the yeah. From that region of what the northern people were assimilated into, and they had this sort of half worship of God, yeah. and yeah, so Samaritans know. were um, sort of a mixture between uh, some of the Israelites that remained, yes. and because uh, Assyrian people from the area of Assyria came and were were settled yeah. uh, in that area, and then they intermarried, and so yeah. this mixed people group. Well, the same largely would have happened when Israel was scattered among the nations, yes. is that they're absorbed into the nation. Of course, the, the, the whole purpose of this uh, military tactic of exile for a people was to take at least the leading peoples out of the land uh, and um, and cause them to assimilate so that they actually lose their uh, national identity. And... Um, you, we, we actually don't hear of Israel again, really. We, we don't hear anything of them. Uh, certainly some of them may have kept their, their distinct, uh, identity, but it seems that most, uh, are lost. So, you know, and particularly, uh, if we think still in terms of, of some future time, I mean, what, mm-hmm. what could this involve? Yeah. I mean, I think at the very least, and it could be a lot of things, and, and, I, and actually, I'm going to say I don't know. Yeah. Because right. actually, when we talk about how things are going to be fulfilled in the future, it's actually, yeah. uh, I think, unwise to say, oh, yeah, I'll tell you how it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. you, you know, uh, we basically, you know, we know what we're told, but how that actually the, fleshes out, how that fleshes out and what that fulfillment looks like. I think, uh, I think we've got to be a little careful uh, with that, not to get too uh, yeah. attached to one particular vision of what that looks like, because it, you know, could come out in a number of ways. But at the very least, I think the go and make disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, and the bringing in of the nations essentially fulfills uh, uh, fulfills this. Yes. Because it's going out to all the nations and bring, because actually um, the, 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 the northern ten tribes were assimilated into the nations. They became part of those nations that are yeah. then being drawn in. So at the very least, I, look, it could well be more, more than that, and, mm. and, and there are a number of theories about the more, mm. um, but at the very least, I think that's... Can we, can we say, can we say, and I'll get your... I'm throwing this a bit of a curveball at you, we, we, you know, uh, because I have heard over the years some fringe theories that do get sort of... People get fascinated with. Yeah. And... and and slowly they become obsessed with, yeah. you know, these type of things. And it's always scary when you sort of get told a theory and you think, oh, I've got hidden knowledge not that yeah, nobody yeah. else has understood, that some of these lost tribes of Israel end up becoming other nations or peoples. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've heard that, you know, the, you know, the people in Britain were one of yeah. the lost You yeah. know, I've heard that this nation yeah. over here were lost, right? Yeah. This particular race, this particular type of people, that's not the point. No, it's not. You've heard a lot of theories. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, as, an, as an amateur, I get to dig into the really weird stuff yeah. out here. You, you've, you've heard a lot of theories, and, I, and I've heard those theories too. And, and they, you know, they're, they're theories. It's when they become more than theories, when people uh, actually base, uh, you know, so uh, British Israelism, for yes. example, is or even or even part of uh, the Mormon faith 
was that the one of the lost tribes were, yeah. the, were American Indians, That's were, the, right. so, were so, the Native Americans. So it does. I mean, we we sort of go. These are crazy theories. No, well, holy moly, there's whole been groups historically significant yeah, theories, yeah, but yeah. they are. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're theories, and they're, they're interesting because we, we think about what happened to these tribes. Look, at, at the end of the day, uh, I, we, we don't we don't really know for sure. No. Actually, we don't really know for sure what this fulfilment uh, is, is going to look like, what shape. But we do get an echo of it again in the Book of Revelation. We this, do. Is, this is where it's, Ezekiel now is beginning to give that prophetic language, that yeah. sort of you know, the ultimate prophetic language where we see revelation picking yeah. up on a lot of these same themes. As I, it was interesting because um, I recently read through the book of Revelation and then I've come to the book of Ezekiel. Actually, Revelation was the last book that I ha- have actually read before uh, Ezekiel, mm. uh, just in my own reading. Um, uh, and I have been struck in Ezekiel by how much of the book of Ezekiel is is reflected not only reflected but quoted from outright in the book of uh, revelation and yes of course this uh, this idea of the the 12 tribes it comes up again in the vision that that john has uh, where he numbers the 12 tribes of israel mm. well i mean you still got an interpretive problem there because you're still it's still what does this mean? Yeah, there are yeah. a number of ways of interpreting that, and yeah. we're not uh, and we're not sure. So, you know, he hears the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, and then he looks uh, and and he sees a vast multitude. Um, and is the hundred forty four thousand? There's the and and are the, is the hundred forty four thousand? I mean, the same as the vast multitude because he hears one and then he looks and then he sees the vast multitude mm. that this is all peoples from all nations. Um, is the twelve? Is this a way of signifying completeness? Um, look, it may well be. And and as I said, the, I think the very least with this is that the uh, the going out of the gospel to all the nations, yes, and the the drawing in of peoples from from all nations. I, I think at least uh, covers this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agreed. Yeah. Right now, we don't want to. We don't want to get bogged in. We're flying through. We've got oh, to we could get bogged in. We, some we, of this oh stuff. my goodness! So many rabbit trails here. Uh, we want to finish the book of Ezekiel. So let's yeah. move into. Uh, this is real. This is where it gets pretty heavy, yeah. and we're going to have a lot of I don't knows. I think yeah. in this part here, chapter thirty-eight and thirty-nine. Yeah. Sort of gets that, like we've heard in the previous books of Ezekiel, these judgments on. Other nations. Yeah. You know, yes, God is yeah. doing something with Israel. He's doing something here. But then we get these things. Now we get the ultimate one with yeah. Gog and Magog. Yeah. You know, and this is heavy, heavy going yeah. here. And it, it, it's it's clearly uh, it's clearly at a at a level that is definitely projecting forward to a sort of final. Clearly, what is pictured here is a kind of a final battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think for even uh, in, in Ezekiel's time, that's how it's being understood. It's like the, the final um, battle against against evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, the question is, uh, so it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, uh, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, and so forth. Now, uh, first of all, it, it's, I find it interesting here, is that God brings them out. Yeah. Yeah. It says, I will put hooks in you, and I'm going to bring you out. Wow. So it's 
so these, so these, um, so who, who, you know, the question is who, who is, who is Gog of the land of Magog? And there are different suggestions. I mean, there, there is a, um, a, uh, uh, a Lydian ruler who has a name uh, like this. Perhaps it's him. I mean, one commentator suggests that this is, uh, he's talking about Babylon, um, mm. uh, that it's a veiled way of talking about Babylon because, of course, Ezekiel's in Babylon, so you yes. don't want to be too, yeah, yeah. You don't want to be too inflammatory when exactly. you're there. So maybe this is a, a like, like John yeah. talking about Rome, but... Yeah. Doing it in a, in a yes, referring to Rome as Babylon, Babylon exactly. Yeah. So in, in that same way, that that there's definitely an element of John, the book, you know, the book of Revelation. John writing the book of Revelation, he's using coded language yeah, about what's right. going on at the time, yeah. and he's looking back to an ancient time. Yeah, not that not that ancient. There is definitely a sense of that with Gog and Magog because Gog and Magog we first hear about back at the beginning of Genesis. That you yeah. know, Genesis ten, there's these yeah, nations. That's right. Yeah, these ancient nations back then. Yeah. And in fact, um, in um, uh, they're actually referred to back in um, chapter thirty two in in Ezekiel as a sort of a bygone power in the world. Exactly. Uh, you know, and and so in, in a sense, the, the, probably the best way to understand this is this this kind of resurgent power. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul t- talks about the, the 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 lawlessness, the system of lawlessness being already with us. You know, yeah. bubbling away. Yeah. And so, yes, if it is a veiled way of talking about Babylon, mm. uh, and that's as I said, that's just one of the theories. But even in that case, it's clearly more than just Babylon. This is a he's. It's a little bit. It could be similar in the way that we talk about someone being a new Hitler. Yes. You know, is that we. We use a language from yes. the past, yes. you know, it, an ultimate evil. Yeah, this is like Nazis, like a new Nazism yeah, or something. Yeah, the spirit of evil that keeps yeah, coming up right. in, in mankind. So it's it's like it's a a bygone power in the world. It's like a resurgent of the same type of thing, and and that I think is what. Uh, so it's. I don't think it's important to necessarily nail down exactly no. who is he talking about, yes. because actually this is talking about a world power that is 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 been with us before, has always been with us. But at the end of the age, end of our age, mm. um, well, uh, that depends on a couple of things. There's some <laughs> complexities here. Um, uh, is going to. Re- re- Rise up again. Yeah, rise up in the he ultimate. Wants, in the ultimate. Formation. In the ultimate yeah. sense, and this is where you get actually a connection with Revelation nineteen, oh, big time. Um, because Revelation nineteen depicts um, this uh, this battle, and uh, and it's interesting here. First of all, that God draws them out. Now, in Revelation, God does the same thing. Mm. You have this picture in the Revelation of God. There is evil in the world. And can we can we say I, I read a description about Gog and Magog that I really really liked that that try, I'm trying to sum up exactly yeah. what we were just talking about. How, what do you think about okay. this? I'm moving forward too quickly. So oh, no, no, right. no, 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 yeah, no. You're yeah. moving forward. I just want to make sure this sinks in. That God, when we read Gog and Magog, because again, all of a sudden you'll see a guy with a chart pointing to a country. Yeah, and you go, yeah. no, no, okay. no, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. slow down, slow down, slow down. Yeah, okay. I, I read a description once that said that Gog and Magog. As you were saying, like it's the spirit of something, it's the it's an archetype 
yeah. of human rebellion. Yeah. The Correct. ultimate archetype of that rebellious spirit in man yeah. that says, no, I am God. That's right. Yeah. I can do it my way. Yeah. And it takes different formations in different ages. Yeah, that's right. In the same way as in the book of Revelation, it talks about Babylon the Great. Yeah, exactly. Not, yep. You know, I mean, Babylon becomes an, a, a sort of a type, you know. Mm, exactly. Exactly. Uh, of, 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 of a greater archetype, you know. And so, and, and I think it's the same here, is that um, uh, Gog and Magog, because essentially in the book of Revelation, Babylon the Great is, is, is Gog and Magog. It's mm. the same, uh, this sort of identification is made there. Um, so, yes, as I said before, it's like us talking about, like, uh, this is like a new Nazism or a yeah, new, yeah. Or, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a characterization yeah, yeah. Uh, of something bigger than, than just that. So, I mean, the significant thing here and, and in the book of Revelation is God draws this out. Yes. It's like the evil is there in the world, but God's going to draw it out for mm. one final showdown. Mm. So, so um, uh, and, and it, it's in very, very similar terms. So, for example, um, here, you know, God draws it out and, and it's resound, this is this resounding defeat, mm. which is what we see in Revelation mm. chapter 19. And also there, you know, we, we read about Gog and Magog. So that's where uh, we have the same, um, actually then into chapter 20, where he speaks of Gog and Magog. And it says here, you know, son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says, call out, uh, call, call out to every kind of bird and all wild animals, assemble and come together around the sacrifice I prepare to you. You know, you will eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood uh of the princes of the earth, you know, so he's calling on the birds of the air uh, mm. here. Um, at my table, you will fill, you will eat your fill of horses and riders, mighty men and soldiers. This is quoted from then in the book of, at, at where it says uh, in Revelation chapter 19, it says, I saw an angel standing in the sun yeah. who cried out to all the birds who yeah. were flying in midair, come gather together for the great feast of our God so that yeah. you may eat the flesh of kings and gen- princes. Yeah. And it's, it's a gruesome sort of section, but yeah. anyone familiar with scripture uh, listening to that uh, prophecy in uh, Revelation 19 is going to be taken straight. This is what Ezekiel talked about. Yes. They're seeing the same yeah, thing. It's, and deliberately repeating the same kind of uh, yeah. imagery. So this is this clearly is is something that is projecting uh, to yeah. to the end. Uh, and it gets and this is where it gets tricky because if we try to make a timeline out of Ezekiel, yeah. it's like this ultimate Gog and Magog army is defeated and they're killed, and then they're defeated and killed again. Yeah, yeah. And then they're defeated and killed again. It's like, it's like, hang on. It's almost like, you know, those, you know, you see the funny, uh, like a funny joke of a little kid, like, I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to kill you. You know, like they go (laughs) out, I'm going to drown you and then I'm going to kill you. It's that sort of thing. Like it's this ultimate fulfillment. It's an ultimate way of God saying, I'm going to deal with it once and for all. I'm going to deal with it and it's going to be wiped out in the most, you know, significant way. It's a huge historical sweep that we have here in the book uh, of Ezekiel, starting with the return. So in in a way, the return of Israel uh, to the land in 539 BC, um, which Ezekiel's not going to see that. He's going to die in exile, but he's talking about things beyond his time. Um, Daniel's going to be around. Yes. He's not going to go back uh, to Israel, but, um, uh, but he'll be around to see that event. Mm. Um, and, but that's going to be the beginning of this sort of fulfillment, you know, um, and so there's a huge sweep of time. So, this, so let's leave Gog and Magog and those chap, those gruesome chapters there. Let's, let's move on to the, this is the home stretch now, yeah. uh, but, you know, from 40 to 48, we have this next section, which is all about hope. Yeah. It's new. This yeah. is the hope of new and the, the, you know, 
again, that amazing way that prophecies were filled in multiple ways. Mm. The first part is we see, you know, Ezekiel gets this detailed, uh, you know, incredibly detailed measurements and everything yeah, yeah. of this new temple. Yeah. You know, a whole new thing. And, you know, we go, okay, is it just giving us dimensions for the new temple that will be built? Or is it something more? Yeah. I mean, he's got an angelic yeah. sort of guide showing him around, yeah. you know, measuring different yeah. things. What's going on? That's right. So you've got these nine chapters at the end of Ezekiel that are yeah. all about the, re- the, 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 um, the new temple and the reinstitution, reinstitution of temple worship. Yeah. And it's seen- but it's even a new type of worship. Yeah. You know, it's like it's new as, as in like God sort of saying, you know, it's not just like I'm coming back. But it's not. He's alluding to something more. Yeah, than, that's right. Than, than what consistent with, consistent with, but certainly more is. And and even that the the dimensions uh, of the temple are different. Yeah, uh, actually, to the uh, to the first one. And it's interesting. You know, you can jump on Google and look for pictures of Ezekiel's temple because people have put the. That's the best way, actually, because you can read the measurements and yeah. try to get your head around it. But um, I think you know, if you jump online, there are some actually good illustrations. Yes. Of of what. Of what this? How big the temple yeah, would be? Of what this uh, could look like? Mm. Now, the, the let, let's let's start from a sort of at least, uh, and 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 I want to just start from the sort of literary function of this within the Book of Ezekiel. Yes, because of course the significant thing at the start is the temple's destruction of the temple. Yeah, uh, the structure of the city and the, and the temple. That's a massive, massive thing, right? Yeah. So. Um, Hope isn't hope if there isn't a, you know, like there's got to be a new, there's got to be a new temple. There's yeah. got to be a new people and a new temple. Yeah. So restoration looks like the restoration of the 12 tribes of Israel and the restoration of the temple Yes. Uh, for them. Now, restoration actually is going to be much bigger than that. And, mm-hmm. and I think we need to allow here that, that I mean, you know, um, God is appealing to what is in front of them. You know, they're concerned. What about the 12 tribes of Israel yes. and what about yes. the temple? yes. Well, God is going to do something way beyond the 12 tribes of Israel and way beyond a physical temple. Yes. Okay, he's going to... And and, and so, I think that's alluded to all the way through. It's alluded it? to, yeah. yeah. And so we need to allow that actually um, it's answering their questions yes. with yes. their kind of imagery and language, but it's, uh, you know, referring to something uh, bigger uh, than that. Not that, not that it's... It could be both. It yes. could be something. Uh, this is the. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. The beautiful aspect of prophecy that answers their questions, yeah. but then answers a lot more yeah. as well. So it could be very literal as well as a as as symbolic of something mm. uh, something bigger. Um, so so I think that's the important thing. So the actually it makes sense that the final chapters mm. finish with um, these uh, this vision of a new. Of a new temple, and then, of course, within that, we have this vision in uh, in chapter forty three of the glory of God returning to the temple. That's yeah. uh, you know that's important. So, uh, and then the functioning of, of of the priesthood again. You know, this is Ezekiel we're, we're talking yeah. about. So that's yeah. important to uh, him. To him, you know, yeah. it's the, and so uh, the question is then: uh, we can see then how that works within Ezekiel and how that rounds off this message of hope. Yeah, it wouldn't be a message of hope is there, if there isn't a restoration of the people and the temple. Yeah. Um, so what does this mean? <laughs> you know, what does this mean yeah. from a historical point of view? Because the temple that gets that they do go back to the land and they rebuild the temple, um, and 
it's doesn't look not, anything like. No, yeah, but it's this. not the fulfillment of this. It's not the fulfillment of it's this. It's not the fulfillment yeah. of this. In fact, there are aspects of fulfillment of this, like the river that that you, yeah. the river that flows through the temple. That yeah. it's it's even impossible to see how that could even really work. Yeah. Uh, well, not not impossible, but it's difficult to see. We need to well, be because, careful with that. Matt, this is where it gets bigger. The, the the picture here gets bigger of just the temple, because we get measurements of the temple. We even get like. He even says particular names of places. Yeah. You know, like, but it gets bigger. It's like it keeps on growing and growing. And yeah. the last couple of chapters, like you said, there's a river. There's yeah. a new creation. There's yeah. new, he mentions the Dead Valley, yeah. the Dead Sea Valley, where nothing can grow yeah. and nothing is there. All of a sudden, it's Coming like... alive. It's Genesis. It's That's like right. it, It's like there's this whole new thing. And You're right on. Yeah. There's, there's a language there that is multi-leveled in such a way that it's just glorious. That's right. Yeah. And so the problem then for us is like, hang on, how do we interpret this? That's right. So I think the best way uh, to work with this, and, th- and there are a number of views on this, and, and I and I think it's let's work from what we do know yes. back into, you know, and sort of big picture and back into the details. Now, in terms of the specifics of how this works out and how this could have been fulfilled, there are different views on that. And I want to acknowledge those views and I don't, yes. certainly don't want to discount. I'm not just here to discount no, the no. views. But I do want us to um, grab hold of something that whatever your view, we can all take away. And what actually is, is certain here is that God is going to bring about a new creation, mm-hmm. is that he has built a temple, the most significant temple. I mean, really the the, um, the fulfillment of the imagery of, of the temple is both... Jesus Christ himself in terms of the sacrificial system. Mm-hmm. But also the church is is in a very significant sense, um, mm-hmm. according to what Paul says in Ephesians, that we have been built up to become a holy dwelling uh, of God. Um, so we we are the we are the temple. In the New Testament church is is the temple. Now we can all agree, uh, all agree on that. And in a sense, um And that's a very symbolic that's Way to yeah, that's a very symbolic way to uh, way to interpret it, and um, and we, you know we referred to that when we talked about Ezekiel thirty six and the gl- and the spirit of God entering His temple, mm. and in a sense, this is the glory of God uh, entering uh, mm. entering His temple. Um, but there being a symbolic fulfilment doesn't necessarily doesn't exclude a literal fulfilment in some sense mm. uh, as well, and. Uh, this is where we come to th- theories about could there be a literal fulfillment of this in some future age? Um, and, and th- there, there are, as I said, th- there are uh, some who would look forward to a time when in a millennial kingdom, there will be this uh, rebuilt temple in, mm-hmm. uh, in Israel. Uh, that may well be, that may, I'll be if if that happens, I'll be I'll be stoked. You'll be the first one there. <laughs> yeah. Go, That's awesome. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll be stoked. I mean, I, look, I mean, there's there's some, you know, there's some tricky things around that because uh, Ezekiel also um, uh, depicts the the resumption of the sacrifices and so forth, and and mm-hmm. I mean that's difficult from a Christian theological point of view mm-hmm. because Christ's sacrifice was once and for all. Yes, you know, and so. Um, it, it really kind of rules out uh, rules out that doesn't I don't think it necessarily rules out the 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 theory because there's there's some uh, uh, I just think it's it's an issue uh, there um, now uh, yeah that may well be uh, that may well be 
a neat way of seeing this fulfilled, that this rebuilding of a, of a yeah. literal temple. And actually among Jewish people... Uh, that's a popular the, the, view. The, that's a very popular view. And the, yeah. there is a clear ambition uh, to rebuild yeah. uh, a temple. Mm. And even along the lines of Ezekiel's temple yeah, is, yeah. Is, a, uh, is a sort of popular idea there. So... Absolutely. I mean, like, uh, it's it's good to think about what that might uh, look like. And obviously, the temple being built in a millennial kingdom, it, it then depends on on that particular view of the millennium. And yeah. there are there are a number of different millennial. Yeah. Well, there's three main millennial views. Yes. Uh, and this that is are held to by evangelicals. So uh, uh, you know, so even there, we're, we're working at a, at a at a at a level where there are different theories. And, yeah. And this is where we've, you know, this is where, you know, in going through in, in this uh, new, new series of Thrive Deeper, this is our first run-in, you know, in the book of Ezekiel, yeah. uh, where we go, oh my goodness, there's a whole, what is, you know, called in theology, the eschatology, the study of end yeah. times, the study yeah. of the future things, the, the finishing of, 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 of these things. Uh, where we get into major different views about yeah. future and, prophecy, and, and I think it's important to say that, I, like for some people who have or been within the one tradition, have only ever heard one option, mm. you know, uh, or that presented one way. Yeah. It could be a shock to hear, oh, that there, are, you there know, are other ways. There are, and, and to hear me saying, well, that's a theory, and, and because I think to a lot of people, so, no, no, but that's what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, there, there, there are there are different approaches uh, mm. to that actually, and I'm not talking about among liberal scholars who discard the Bible. No, yeah. I'm, I mean among Bible believing evangelical yeah. uh, scholars. There and are it, a number of different. And approaches. even if you go through an, the history yeah. of, of 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 the church, you know, for the last two thousand years, and hear what you know the leaders of of again Bible believing yeah. yeah. passionate Christians yeah. throughout the centuries. Have interpreted these books yeah. and these chapters in multitudes of ways. That's right, and it's not. I mean, uh, I mean, what we agree upon are, are the big picture mm. items. You mm. know, we agree uh, about the you know the return of Christ and the big, the major, mm. um, the major doctrinal tenets mm. you know of the faith that we that we agree on that are that are just part of what I would refer to as Christian orthodoxy. Yes. Um, uh, that you know we can all agree, but what that how that works and what that looks like in the specifics yeah. and uh, how it fits onto a chart on a wall. That's right. <laughs> there, there are different views, uh, and and I and I you know want to acknowledge that. And and um, I mean my desire here, particularly in this context, is to allow for those different views, but yes. to try to bring us back actually to that unifying the un that. The meaning of the text yes. that I think we can be unified yeah, uh, yeah. under, and and and, the, and, the, and like you're, you're, I've heard you say this very often, Matt. And this is often, you know, even when we're talking, just you know, uh, ourselves, I will fall into my tradition of being the literalist, yeah. of being the dispensationalist, yeah, yeah. of being the man with the chart on the wall yeah, yeah. with dates on it, and yeah, I can yeah. point to different verses. And it's that strong literal desire of 
you know, of, of, of the, you know, admonition that the Bible says, you know, you, you want to be an approved workman of, you know, how to put the Bible together. You know, you want to mm. be able to understand and be able yeah. to cut, you know, take yeah. this part and put it with yeah. that part. Okay. This is how it works. And there's that real strong yeah. desire that yeah. the scripture yeah. gives yeah. us yeah. to do that. And you will often go, Hey, that's fantastic. But what do you think that the people were reading it at the time were yeah. taking into it? It's yeah. great for you 2,000 years later to have a chart on your wall. Yeah. But what was the intention? What's God's intention here of giving yeah. it? And I think when we come to the Ezekiel and saying, what's God's intention yeah. in these passages? Yeah. What was Ezekiel's intention? At this, That's right. You know? yeah. it is, and it, ultimately, it is to sow this message of hope that the temple is going to be restored. Yeah. And it's going to be wonderful. And, you know... There, there, there are a number of symbols, including the river of this beautiful uh, image of the river of life, yeah. you know, in the temple, which, which connects then directly with Revelation chapter twenty-two, which says, yeah. "Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb yeah. down the middle of the street of the great city." Yeah. So, in we get a uh, in Revelation twenty-one and twenty-two, we have a vision of uh, of a new Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, that interestingly, it says there that has no temple because it says uh, that because God Himself will be there, uh, will be their temple. Just, just as in Ezekiel, even though it talks about a temple, he he finishes off calling the place of this land, saying, "And the name of this place is the Lord is there, or the Lord is yeah, here, or whatever." Yeah, that's right. And which like, connects with which connects with what it says. Yeah. So it actually, you know, at the end of Revelation, I mean, there is a temple, but the Lord is saying, "I am that temple." You know, yeah. I am that temple. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so it, it connects with what we with what we see then in a with the symbolism of Revelation, you know, twenty one and twenty two, you know, the river of the water of life. So there there, there certainly are symbols at work uh, here, um, and they're symbols that point to something beyond a physical uh, reality. Uh, I've said that, uh, and and we can all agree on that. To what extent there is also going to be a, a literal, a, a literal historical fulfilment, something solid. It's wh- whether there will be, when there will be, how there will be. Uh, we it's open to interpretation. It's open to open to interpretation. Yeah. But I think the important thing for Ezekiel's message is that he is pointing these people forward to uh, something wonderful that God is going to do. Everything that they have lost, and this is the point, is going to be restored to them. Uh, a hundredfold. Mm. You know, it's it's in in it's going to be much more wonderful. They've lost so much, but God is saying, as you turn back to me and as uh, you know, as you are restored, mm. it's going to be much much better than it was uh, it was before. And I think that is the that is where we finish then uh, at the end of the book of Ezekiel. Do we interpret that for ourselves the same way? How do what do we take away with it now? Or do we just th- think, isn't that nice for the for the exiles? Uh, what we can take certainly what we can take away now is the um, is the significance of the of the symbolism because in any case the te- the temple is a symbol whether it's uh, certain, even in its literal historical form the temple is a symbol uh, uh, and and it points us toward greater greater realities and I think we need to allow this. Rather than us just fussing about with theoretical, historical interpretations, what could this look like? And mm. now, actually, what do, that's a good question. What does this mean for me now? Mm. Uh, lest I just uh, 
busy myself with theories yes. about what this looks like in history, uh, actually um, re- read, you know, read this message and the symbols and the uh, and the vision and recognize actually that there is a, a great reality here that we are already participating in, mm. uh, in a very significant sense. We are part of this great temple. We, we, the glory of the Lord has returned to this temple. We are stewards of the glory of the Lord. You know, we, we he, he lives within our heart. I mean, this is, these are wonderful truths. And sometimes I think we get so used to them that we forget how wonderful they are. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, people are listening to this thinking, that's, um, imagine <laughs> that. Are you, seriously, God is going to dwell within all of their hearts mm. and the glory of the Lord's going to return. Actually, we now have that reality, and I think we can lose a sense of the wonder at it. Actually, and um, and it becomes it becomes far too ordinary a thing. And, and this is something actually we need to recognise that we are participating in something wonderful, something that has been foretold, and something that is going to be. Even You know what I learned in that conversation is that the future and God's future for us is about new levels of restoration that we can't even comprehend. You know, this concept of restoring us into what he wanted us to be all along is just this beautiful concept that's coming through in the book of Ezekiel. Now, next episode, episode six is the next one, uh, the final one on the book of Ezekiel through this run of Thrive Deeper. Excited to wrap it all up. And then we get to move into the book of Daniel. Uh, We've got a little bit of that coming up as well. So so excited to have you with us. Now, make sure, as we always say, head over to our home online. That is at thrivetoday.net.au. And that is where you can find everything that you need to know about this podcast. Well, until next week, I've been DJ Payne. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Thrive Deeper or at the Thrive Today website where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, Thrive.